the diet that may get you well may not be the diet that keeps you well. I've seen that with the macrobiotic diets, the ketogenic diets, and even the strict paleo diet. So I think moderation and balance is really key. And it's a lesson that was very hard for me to learn because I always believed that what was worth doing was worth overdoing. So I was very much a high protein gal, low carbohydrates, and I've really changed my tune as I've gotten older. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and today's guest is Anne Louise Gittleman. Anne Louise is a top nutritionist who is internationally recognized as a pioneer in health, diet, and nutrition. She continues to break new ground in integrative and functional medicine. Anne Louise is an award-winning New York Times bestselling author of over 35 books on health and nutrition, and at age 70, she isn't slowing down. And Anne Louise also has her own story of overcoming adversity. Many years ago, she suffered a near-fatal concussion and truly believes that a positive mindset along with resiliency were vital to her recovery and key to living a long and healthy life. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Anne Louise Gittleman. Anne Louise, welcome to the podcast. Good to be with you, Doug. And how are you this fine day? I am living the dream, just like I said before our interview, even though, <laughs> you know, realistically, that might not be the case, but hopefully I'm on my way there. And I've been looking forward to talking with you for, for a long time because you're cons- what people consider like an OG, like an original gangster, if you will, in the <laughs> field of longevity, health and wellness, nutrition. You've been doing this for 40 years. And I think a good place to start would be like, like what's changed? So like now longevity, aging, biohacking, like these are trendy words that I think a lot of people are hopefully paying more attention to than they did in recent times. Definitely. But you've been talking about this for decades. So what was going on back when you started to talk about it? And was there any sense of, okay, you can actually, you know, reduce your, your biological age. You could reduce your physiological age. Like what was going on back then? Nothing much, Doug, to be quite honest with you. Aging was just accepted as this natural occurrence that occurred with people when they hit their 70s and 80s. And now we view aging as a disease. It's a disease that can be reversed if you look at all the accumulated toxins and deficiencies and the deficits. My original teacher, Doug, died at the age of 106. Wow. So I was involved with a real master and it was at the foot of a master for many years. And I learned that if you detoxified, if you tricked your glands, if you worked on your pH, you could fool your body into aging and reversing aging by at least 30 or 40 years. So people that became ill at 60 could now become ill at 90 and 100. And that was because of Dr. Hazel Parcell. So I was very, very lucky many, many moons ago, right around the time you were born, my dear friend to really study at the foot of a master. So I had a different kind of upfront and personal experience with longevity, but believe you me, nobody else was really talking about it. It's only lately that we're talking about reversing it, reducing it and slowing down the aging process. And by the way, I don't talk about aging. I like the word saging. We're on a <laughs> saging journey. Yeah. 
And it seems like you have done quite a good job with yourself in the form of aging because you don't look a, a day over 35 as I'm looking at you here on the virtual oh, screen. <laughs> well, thanks for the good makeup and the good lining. That's <laughs> very sweet. So if I feel like when people are talking a lot about longevity and people are talking a lot about different health trends and health topics, it inspires people to want to go down that route. And they, there's plenty of information. There's plenty of maybe courses or mentors they could learn from. If somebody wanted to get involved with that, say now, but back when you were doing it, like, like you said, nobody was talking about it. So what was the inspiration behind you really diving into longevity? Dr. Parcells, because I'd studied with her. She was 84 years young when I walked into her class in 1974 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She was 84 years young and was working from seven in the morning till 10 o'clock at night and getting interrupted during the class, the five days that changed my life by people that were walking in and would say, Dr. Parcells, the queen is on the phone. And I'd say the queen, or you mean the queen, the king, the prince, people from all over the world were calling her because she had many secrets and nobody else was sharing at that point. So I would say it was definitely then in 1974. And I said to myself, if she can do this at, at 84, I can start doing this at the age of 34. Mm. So it was really seeing a living person who was older, living the dream, so to speak, living healthfully, living long. And she died with all of her senses intact. She was as she could finish every sentence that I began. She knew what she was doing. She looked at underlying causes. And I learned that she had to look at mold, radiation, parasites, which she considered to be a very immunosuppressive agent, as well as radiation. So were you at the time into health at all back then? Or you just looked at this person and you walked into her class and you could just see how healthy she was, how successful she was, how I mean, I guess how much people like looked up and admired her or, or were you kind of somebody who just wasn't into health at all? And then like something happened along the way. I was trying there? to find myself. I was okay. trying to find myself. Let me see. She was 84. I was just about I think I was 25. It was 1974. I'm 72 now. Figure it out. I think <laughs> it was, I think I was in my mid 20s. And I thought to myself, this is what I want to do. I want to help people live longer, live better, and not live into the age of disability. I want them to die with all their senses intact, which she did. So she was a living example of what I then wanted to do. So she was really the shining light. And she was a feisty old broad. I mean, you couldn't, she didn't like to share her secrets unless you were in part of her classes, but she must have recognized something in me because she invited me to come back every single summer to study with her. So I learned many different secrets, which then became 36 of my books, because each one of her secrets is part of the books that I wrote. Mm, yeah. And I think it's really admirable that you, you kind of went down that route because when you, when you try to find yourself, I think the fastest way to find yourself and really put forth effort into developing your identity and becoming the best version of yourself is obviously diving into your health, right? Yes. And that's like a big thing of, of self-discovery because it's a great way to get connected to your body. It's a great way to connect your mind to your gut. It's a great way to kind of have your inner world and outer world kind of match up and, and also a way to really take care of your mental health, which I know is something that is near and dear to both of our hearts. And you've had a lot of experience, both as somebody you've had your, your fair share of struggles with your own mental health, and you've actually done a lot of work with those who have struggled with their mental health, specifically with nu nutrition. And I know it was, a, it was quite a long time ago when you were doing work at the Bellevue Hospital up in New York, but 
<laughs> Many. Like, that was my first job after graduating from Teachers College, Columbia. <laughs> yeah, that was an experience to beat the band. I mean, you saw all kinds of people just... I was the director of nutrition at the pediatric clinic, and I saw all kinds of people being paraded down the hallway. So I always became very interested in why they were suffering. And I always felt there was a biological reason for it. There was something genetic or biological or toxic in their biological makeup that was affecting their minds. So it became a real search for the body, mind, and spirit, root causes. And I guess that's what the theme of all my books have been over the years. It's going to the root cause, not the symptoms of aging, longevity, and mental health. So along those same lines, in your research, in your education, in your work and everything that you've learned, you mean from the people you've talked to and the 36 books you've written, like can nutrition like truly play a pivotal role in improving somebody's mental health? I know there's been, there's a lot of talk about it. There's, there's some research, but in your opinion, do you think you can really swing that pendulum from bringing somebody from a bad mental state to a good one? I definitely do balancing blood sugar, getting out the toxins, especially getting out the parasites, which I'm finding are very immunosuppressive and very involved with the nervous system. Making sure that the brain has sufficient amount of oxygen is very important. So I think that's one aspect. Having a very vital and vibrant social network is another one. We can't ignore that. And probably having very meaningful and purposeful work. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. I think just making sure that you're getting the right nutrients to your brain is very crucial and community and purpose, right? We hear a lot about the word purpose. I think being, having something that we're connected to, having something that we're drawn to that's outside of ourselves, I think is, is very pivotal. And, and in fact, I think that's ironically, I think what, what plays into people like living longer, you see a lot where people retire super young, they lose themselves because they were so caught up in this cycle of, needing to serve, whether it was at their company or working for somebody else. And then when they lose that, they feel like they lose part of themselves. So in your research on longevity, like what role has purpose specifically played in people living longer when it comes to aging? Well, when I looked at the the, the people that live the longest in the communities in the world, whether it was in Spain, whether it was in whether it was in India, whether it was in the Sephardic Jews and the Ashkenazi Jews, which is my own heritage, I took a look at what the top kind of traits were. Number one was social networking, having vital social networks. Number two was purpose. So that was right near the top. Number three was some kind of physical exercise. And it didn't have to be very exertive exercise, but some sort of physical exercise, 20 to 30 minutes a day. And also the importance of fasting or autophagy so that you could do some cellular cleaning. Fasting, whether it was because of religious holidays or because of the intermittent fasting, which is popular now, I found those were very important too. And these people didn't follow a ketogenic diet, my good friend. They didn't follow a paleolithic diet. They ate natural whole foods that were indigenous to the areas from which they lived. Mm. So you're, you're saying that eating foods that are specific to the place in which you live matter more than the type of food? Yes. Eating foods that are seasonal and that come natively from the ge geographical location that you're, that you're living in is very important. So that if you're living in an environment like I am, which is Idaho, which gets very cold in the winter, I can't be living on raw foods or tropical fruits. Yeah, and that, 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 makes, that makes sense. I mean, you've heard a lot about that and how what really causes people to be the healthiest is following more of the, the hunter-gatherer approach, I guess, if you were, where you're gathering your own food, like it's like native to your 
community. That's, nat- that's native to the, to the area in which you live. But you know yeah. which food was the most prevalent among the anti or uh, should the super agers we call them, not the anti agers, the super agers. The food that was more, most important was what? What would you think? It was the common thread that I saw in my research when I wrote my book, Radical Longevity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it surprised me. It was beans. Yeah, yeah, legumes are I've heard are up there, right? I think it's because of the soluble fiber. Legumes, any kind of lentils, peas, beans were very important. And the, there was one particular grain. Can you guess what grain that was? This is not 20 questions, but I want you to put your thinking cap on. Was it rice? It wasn't rice. Guess again. The reason I'm asking is it surprised me. Amaranth? Not amaranth. Quinoa? Not quinoa. <laughs> Quinoa is not a grain, it's a seed. Couscous? Not couscous. Oats? Not oats, but you're getting closer because it's a gluten-type grain. Lower in gluten, of course, than wheat and the modern-day glutinous grains. Uh, lower in gluten. It was barley. 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 <laughs> very, very good for the gut. Very high in B vitamins. Very healing. It kind of heals and seals the gut. So I found those two things enormously interesting and so interesting that now I have a meatless Monday that includes some sort of bean dish, some sort of Indian vegan bean dish. And then I'm using a lot of barley in my beef and barley soups in the winter. So Mm. this is the kind of stuff that you kind of look at and you say to yourself, wow, if people that live to the age of 100, 100 and beyond with all their senses intact, if this is what they're eating, this is what I want to also implement. Yeah. No, I mean, it's success leaves clues, right? So why try and reinvent the wheel reinvent the wheel that's exactly right these people have left clues dr parcells left me clues these super agers are leaving clues and there are these they're common traits that are also very important for us that i've mentioned to you before and also some sort of belief in some sort of spiritual creative force bigger than yourself was also a a common trait among the super agers Mm. so with all that said and you've, you've named some of these common threads with people that have have lived the longest and really had a fruitful life. There's a lot of noise right now when it comes to health, wellness, nutrition, fitness, and there's a lot of stuff out there about longevity and aging. Is there anything that you see right now that is just something that people are being told that is something that's really effective, that's really just a myth? I think the long-term effects of keto would probably be one of them because a lot of the ketogenic foods from bacon and cheese and butter are very high in advanced glycation end products that are very, very high in oxidative stress response. I think that probably would be one. I think it's good short-term and good for certain conditions to get your blood sugar in balance, maybe good for seizures, maybe good for weight loss, but not good long-term. That probably would be one of them. I think there's a lot of myths about the fact that you need to fortify your diet with that extra iron because most of us have become iron toxic when we get older. And there's also a lot of myths surrounding the use of copper. So it'd probably be minding your minerals would be my, my biggest myth out there. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. 
Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobes. Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobes. Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Mm, mining your minerals. I like that. So, and it's interesting. They're, they're misbehaving when you get yeah. older. You start to stockpile the iron because women stop menstruating. So they start to exhibit the same rates of diabetes, cancer, and heart disease as men. And a lot of it has to do with iron because it's amazingly oxidative. It's highly triggering of the oxidative stress and the problems with the DNA that we're finding. And mm-hmm. it can also stockpile in your brain as can excess copper from copper pots and pans from too much copper and the fillings that you're using in your teeth, or even from the copper water pipes that are bringing your water into your home. Yeah. And nobody's talking about that, Doug, by the way, that's why I wrote about it. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, that you you brought up like the ketogenic diet thing, because that's obviously a super trendy thing now. And And the one thing that I have heard is that the issue isn't with it in the short term that people have with it. It's in the long term. And I've, I'm yes. a trainer, so I've seen clients where they go keto for maybe a month, two months, three months, and they have a lot of success. They lose weight fast. They're feeling better. They're you know, burning excess weight and, and that sort of thing. But then long term is where it becomes the problem. They, the, yeah, the, the, yes. the weight loss you know, becomes stagnant their energy kind of flat lines and maybe even goes down a little bit. They're finding themselves just having to eat less and less and less to try to lose the weight. And reality, what's happened, I think, is just the, the short-term effects of the ketogenic diet have just stopped. Is that right? I agree. I think that there's certain diets that are therapeutic, but the diet that may get you well may not be the diet that keeps you well. I've seen that with the macrobiotic diets, the ketogenic diets, and even the strict paleo diet. So I think moderation and balance is really key. And it's a lesson that was very hard for me to learn because I always believed that what was worth doing was worth overdoing. So I was very much a a high protein gal, low carbohydrates, and I've really changed my tune as I've gotten older. You talk a lot specifically in your latest book, Radical Longevity, about like essentially like the seven rules that you must follow, I guess, to really make the most of your life and live longer. Yes, there it is. There it uh, is. I may have to cheat and look at the rules. <laughs> well, let, let's just start with number one, because number one, it's a hot topic now. Let's talk about immunity. People tend to get sick around this time of year. And you know, people, I think with everything that's gone on and going on are, are super mindful of their health right now. Like what are your biggest tips for people to really optimize their immune system so it can really help them get healthy, stay healthy and become healthier? I think let's look at diet. If we may first, we've got to reduce the sugar because a little bit of sugar can really stunt the white blood cells, which are your, your fighters of disease and bacteria and virus. So we want to reduce sugar in every manner, facet or form one to two helpings of fruit a day, I think is quite enough. Maybe two to three helpings of complex carbohydrates at a half a cup each would be very helpful. That would be number one, reducing the sugar. Number two, get a humidifier. Because what we have found with some of the clinical studies that I looked at when I wrote the book, Radical Longevity, is that you really need to nurture and nourish and lubricate your nostrils so that that there's a, a 
a barrier for any kind of virus. Virus loves dry air, so you want to humidify up to 40 to 60% in the home 24-7 every day of the year. That probably is the biggest thing that people omit. I like vitamin A, 25,000 IUs of the straight A because it's the anti-infection vitamin. I like zinc, I like vitamin C, and of course, keep your D at optimal levels. So with all that said, you said 25,000 vitamin A, and then vitamin D, like People are typically recommending like 5,000 to 10,000. Does that seem accurate? I like vitamin D. I like it with a little bit of vitamin K as well. Yes. But get your levels tested. I really think the testing is key in that regard. Okay. Well, that's, that's important to know. Like for people to, if you're listening to this, yeah, just definitely get a test because in order to it's know where cheap. you're- It's so cheap. It's so cheap. It's so inexpensive. Get a, get a red blood cell, zinc, get a red blood cell, magnesium. Then you'll know what you're dealing with. Yeah. Cause I think in order to know where you're going, you got to find out where you're at. And I think once you get that baseline <laughs> test, you'll know like where your levels are. And then you can kind of like, you know, reach out to a professional or do some research and see like which supplementation protocol I think is the most ideal for you. And you brought up an interesting point and you're, you're talking about like nutrition and how it relates to immunity. And I think a lot of people while this, the research is clearly out there that you need to eat well to pr protect your immunity and strengthen your immunity, and it's getting, I think, easier as time goes on, I think people still fall short and they're turning to fast food. They're buying the packaged goods at the grocery store. They're eating out a lot. Like, what are some, you, you know, you've been, you've been doing this a really long time <laughs> yeah. and you, you've seemed to keep yourself looking and acting and carrying yourself in a, in a very young way. What have been some of the things that you've implemented in your own simple habits you've implemented with your own nutrition that have benefited you the most that could, that maybe if somebody's listening to this and they're looking to, to get better at their nutrition, but they're looking for a simple way to do it. I have a high protein breakfast and sometimes I do maybe two cups of bone broth and I buy it already pre-made in kettle and fire that chicken bone broth is the highest in collagen, highest in some of the collagen producing um, factors that bone broth has to offer. And then because I'm on the go, I use a fast food bar. I use the Boo Fit, B-H-U Fit. So I do that, which gives me 15 grams of protein plus another 10. So that's 25 grams of protein first thing in the morning. I do a green drink throughout the day. I do MSM as well. And I take a, a bunch of vitamins. I take about 50 vitamins a day. Wow. Well, I'm in the business. If I don't walk the walk and talk the talk, then I'm a fraud. So I take a bunch of vitamins. I make sure my vitamins and minerals are iron-free and copper-free. That's a biggie. And I'm also taking glandulars for my thyroid and for my adrenals because I tend to burn out quickly. So that's what I do for myself. And I have an organic food. I have a cook. I'm in a position very fortunate where I can have somebody prepare my meals. We do one meal a week, which is a vegan meal, which is that meatless Monday I talked about. Taco Tuesday, we'll, we'll be doing some lamb chops today and maybe tomorrow some lobster tails. And we purify the food with all the ways that I talk about in the book to kind of detoxify the meat and the vegetables. Mm. So has there been anything through your decades of being on this health journey where <laughs> you thought something was super, super healthy and good for you. And as you look back now, you've, you've realized that it just wasn't. Well, I love yogurt. I was a big yogurt. I mean, I was a big boysenberry yogurt girl, Dan and boysen 
berry yogurt. And then I realized it was loaded with sugar and I was dairy intolerant as I got older. So that's been a no-no. I'm a big cheese lover. I can't tolerate cheese as I've gotten older. Mm. That was the biggest, biggest disappointment. And I find that in order to reduce heart disease, the one food that you can reduce from your diet that will lower LDL levels and all those very small particle cholesterol levels that are very sticky, those are small particles that actually stick to the arteries. If you get rid of cheese, you'll be on the road to good health forever and ever. So cheese is a bad, is a bad guy. Cheese, any kind of cheese is really something we shouldn't be taking into our diets. Loaded with hormones from naturally from the cow, even if it's organic, and very high on the advanced glycation index in terms of providing you with all these very oxidative rich foods. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting to hear that from you because I was I was wondering, I'm sure like through the years you've heard different trends that at one point seemed healthy. Like you've seen the trends, right? Like you, we've heard eggs are bad, eggs are good, you know, low fat, high fat, high carb, low carb, keto, plant-based, paleo. Like has there been anything that's like really like lasted the test of time, like through, you know, your journey with all this, like back in the seventies and eighties and like has pet where people, was there anything that, that people were talking about back then that still today holds true? Yes. Apple cider vinegar was a biggie back then. Apple cider vinegar, lecithin and B6, the trifecta. And I still find that sunflower lecithin added B6 to your diet, as well as apple cider vinegar are really key elements in getting well and keeping healthy. So that I will admit is very healthy, but we used to think that brewer's yeast to really yeast was very healthy. Now we find it cross reacts with yeast. Cheese was a biggie back then. It isn't very healthy now. And of course the high grain diets, because I was the director of nutrition at the Pritikin Longevity Center was the diet model of the seventies and eighties. And we now find that a lot of people are grain intolerant because they're very, very inflammatory for many people. And now we've got the aspects of the gluten-rich foods, and we've got the problems with glyphosates. We didn't have that back then, or at least we weren't aware. I've heard you talk a lot about just in different interviews and in your book, and even just during our conversation about this idea of toxins and how we can toxify our body, I guess, based on the foods we eat, how we live, maybe certain things in our house. A couple questions on that. I think the first one is, you know, say somebody's accumulated a ton of toxins throughout their life, whether it be from foods or household products or other components of their lifestyle. Is there ever a point where it's too late to detoxify? Meaning, is there ever a point where all this, like, it's just like you've had so many toxins in your body that it's just going to be impossible to detoxify it? And then the second part of the question is, if somebody wants to start to detoxify their body, what are a couple of simple ways that can start doing so? I never think it's too late. That's number one. Number two, I think the most important thing you can do, quite frankly, Doug, is to get your water filtration correct. I think you've got to get your water checked with a water quality report with a water quality expert. I go to CWRenviro.com. That information is in the book. And have him evaluate what's in your water and get rid of all those toxins because water is the great emulsifier. It's a great detoxifier. And if you're not drinking purified water from your home tap water, then you're in trouble and you get more toxins coming from the shower than you do from the water that you're drinking. So you need a full house system. That'd be number one. I have a lot of uranium in the water here in, in Idaho. I never would have known that if I hadn't gotten it tested with CW and Viro. And you're in Baltimore, you may have something else in the water. So we all need a customized water filtration unit. And then the cheapest way to detoxify is to take two to four capsules 
of activated charcoal per day. It's the cheapest, best way to detoxify your system. Mm, I love it. So you're saying for to detoxify yourself to really pay attention to the, it seems like the water is the foundation of a lot of what you're saying. And then to take activated charcoal as well. Yes. I think you can get in the grocery store now, go to the grocery store, go to the drugstore. I get mine at Walgreens activated charcoal. And if I'm not sure about the food that I'm eating, I use a little char dust. I actually open up a capsule and put a quarter of it and I dust my food. Mm, Okay. So for those listening, yeah, to the first good step that she's recommending is to really address your, your water system. And I think there's some pretty cost efficient ways to do that. Right, Aunt Louise, with, with, with filtering out the water? You want a filter that's customized to the toxins in your area, whether it's something that is a radioactive substance in the water, as it is where I live, or whether it's some sort of parasite that could be in the water. Maybe it's cryptosporidium, or maybe it's giardia, or maybe it's too much lead or copper. So you want something that will balance and monitor and block all those elements that are toxic to your particular locale. So it has to be customized. If you do nothing else, clean up your water and then get some cheap charcoal. (laughs) I love it. No, it's a, it's a good suggestion. I think that's a hot topic now too. You're hearing a lot about is, is water and you know, the types of water, not, not just how much water you drink. And we've been talking about that for years. It's a great, it's a great, great cleanser. That's what I'm drinking. Purified filtered water. Awesome. So purified filtered water is like a good start for people versus tap water. And a shower filter that you have a special shower filter. Okay. Now that sounds that sounds pretty doable and reasonable, I think, for most people to do. It's so. very, it's very doable. It's very, and the charcoal is nothing with nothing. I mean, I don't leave home without it. God forbid somebody gets food poisoning. We always have some charcoal. Yeah, uh, no, you're you're right, and and I think people, it's just more about like awareness and learning. I think a lot of people they they they're not as focused on this at these aspects of their health, right? Like you think about the amount of time somebody does to to research like a certain vacation spot they're going to certain car they're buying, even a house. They research. (laughs) Months, years, weeks, right? But when it comes to what they're putting in their body, which we only get one of, sometimes there's no research at all. And they're just looking for the next cheapest thing, right? And if you knew well, we that- can. Well, when you're young, you can get away with a lot, Doug. I yeah. couldn't because I was very sensitive. So I had to be putting a lot of energy into the whole topic of detoxification. And my skin was very sensitive. So I knew from an early age that what I ate showed up the next day on my face. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say when it comes to, to both really immunity and toxins as it relates to your body, the the best thing we can do is to really control what we put into our bodies, whether it's in a liquid form or in a, in a food form, right? Yes. That that's very important. And you got to look at what you're cooking in the cooking utensils. So get rid of your cast iron because that's adding a lot of iron to the food that most of you don't need, unless you're taking a ferritin test and we know what your stored iron is and get rid of the copper pots and pans and get rid of the aluminum. That's easy peasy. Mm. And what do you think about like healthy fats? Like that's something that you hear a lot of people say, oh, like there's, there's too much fat in that, or there's a lot of calories in a tablespoon of olive oil. But I know you in your research and in your work, you're a big advocate of different cooking oils. So if you could give the listeners um, just some reasons why they should start to use certain cooking oils, which ones and why? Macadamia nut oil. Get these some macadamia nut oil. It's the highest smoke point of all the oils, high in omega-3s, good omega-3s, and the monounsaturated fats, so macadamia nut oil, number one. 
Number two, I would use olive oil on my salads because it's very high in anti-aging substances. The, the healthiest people in the world use a lot of olive oil. Number three, use a good fish oil for the omega-3s for the brain, the heart, and the joints. I would not cook with it. I would just use that internally. And then I think number three, pine nut oil is my secret sauce. If you have GERD, if you have ulcers, if you have IBS and any kind of unresolved gut issues, a teaspoon of that three times a day, 20 minutes before meals will do wonders in healing your gut. It's an amazing, amazing underused substance. Mm. You said pine nut oil? Pine nut oil, Siberian pine nut oil. Mm. Pine nut oil, macadamia nut oil, olive oil. Start with those three. And I think another one I've heard you talk about, it's not an oil, but a Another healthy fat is, is avocado, right? Because you, I think you've talked. About, I don't like, like avocado oil anymore. Forget avocado oil. Half of it is really um, tainted. Okay. I like avocados. Well, I was going to say avocado. <laughs> well, I was going to say no. I no. I know you like avocados. I mean, not the not the oil, but avocados themselves because they're filled with with copper. Right. They have a good they're a good food source of based copper. copper, the copper you need, which is food based, not synthetic. It's copper one, the good copper, not copper two that you're getting from your copper pots and pans and from your copper pipes. Absolutely. And it's a good source of glutathione. So fill up on avocados, olives, olive oil, a little coconut oil. Get some omega-3s in your diet, good omega-6s with the pine nut oil and, and cook with the macadamia nut oil. You're in business. Mm. Oh, the, the healthy fats are key. And I think. That's one thing I, I think that through the, the last decade or so has kind of been a staple where you've heard people talk about the importance of eating healthy fats. And yeah, there's some people that they get stated, they're still scared of the word fat, you know, and which I guess understandably so just because of maybe the, the word in itself, but it's, it's so true. Like we need healthy fats for our brain, for our heart, for our gut, just for the functionality of our body every single day. So definitely make sure you're getting your healthy fats in. And I want to kind of pivot now into part of your own story that is really inspirational for me is that like you seem super optimistic and just have this positive mindset and you've been through a lot of stuff throughout your life like you've had a near fatal like head injury or concussion and i think you know you nearly died in 7 yeah like 15 yes. years ago and and you got addicted to uh, what was it benzodiazepine and have survived that so talk a bit about like how you've developed this, this resiliency, how you've developed this, this optimism, given some of the traumatic and tragic events you've gone through in the last 15 years. I think it's all about bending and not breaking. So I, th I think about all of it. And I say to myself, you got to bend and not break. I get very emotional when I remember that particular situation, but I had a good advocate. I had a health advocate. My husband went to bat for me. I had to be in three treatment centers because I became drug. I became addicted to benzodiazepines after my PTSD, which I didn't even know was PTSD because you don't know what you don't know unless you've experienced it before. So you, you have, you've got advocates, you've got people that are vying for you and you have faith. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for, for opening up and, and sharing that. And, you know, kudos to I you. Still, I still get so emotional. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and there's, there's people that are, that are listening to this and Louise that they've lost that light. They've lost faith. Maybe they haven't experienced something as traumatic as, as you did, but 
they're just at a point in their life or maybe they know somebody in their family that's just really struggling right now. Like, like what advice do you have for them to maintain that faith, even though their life is so dark right now? I think what it is, is that there's always an answer if you're looking in the right place. I don't believe that there's anything that's unsolvable, but you're not maybe looking in the right place. So you have to, oh, you've got to look under every, every stone, every pebble to find the answers is what I think it is. Because there is an answer to everything. There's a cause and effect. You just are missing a little piece of the pie. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. I think what happens though with people is, they get tired, they get despondent, they get depressed. Yeah, they're tired, they lose the fight, they get depressed, they get super stressed, and their body just shuts down. And you hear that's, like that's where they need the happy hormones. That's where they need extra B1, which is the happy vitamin B. They need extra B vitamins, they need extra adrenal supplements. They need to fortify themselves biologically to get that mental fortitude that so many of us are lacking in this day and age. That's where adrenals come into play in that vitamin B1. When we talk about the adrenals, I think most people are probably familiar with what the adrenals do and they, they play a big part in our stress response, right? Like you, you hear a lot of adrenal fatigue. They are the stress glands. Right, yes. Right. <laughs> fight or flight glands. So that's where a little bit of panathenic acid, two grams of panathenic acid a day is kind of the anti-stress vitamin. Taking a little bit of ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen or rhodiola. I take an adrenal formula, which has the exact tissue as the animal tissue in that because I find that works best for me. And really paying attention to your stress levels on a daily basis. I'm also a big believer in the botched flower remedies. Are you familiar with rescue remedy? I think I've seen, I've seen it like in the stores. Yeah. But I'm, I've never really used it before. I use it topically on creams. I take it internally. And then because of my own trauma and stress, I live on something called, it's one of the elements that's in the, the stress remedy, rescue remedy, star okay. of Bethlehem. That's it just came to me. Star of Bethlehem for trauma and stress. I take that every single day, plus impatience. Cause I have no patience. <laughs> No, it's it's kind of interesting that you say you don't have patience because you seem like somebody who's who's pretty even keel now and you've got a lot of wisdom and, and <laughs> I learned seem a lot. That way. Yeah. <laughs> you you should visit my home. <laughs> so I think we've covered a lot of ground. You know, your own story. We talked about mental health, we talked about immunity, we talked about toxins, we talked about nutrition, we talked about longevity, we talked about trends. So I guess like my last question for you as I'm thinking about like what I think the audience would really benefit from is like we said, like longevity is the cool thing to talk about. Aging is the cool thing to talk about. Eating better is, is trendy right now, but there's a lot of people that just, they're just not, or they're just, they're putting it off or it's too hard. It's too challenging. I know you shared some tips on like what you've done with your nutrition, but if you could go back like 40 years ago, when you started, when this all began, knowing what you know now and you could give yourself like three tips, three pieces of advice to help yourself optimize your health, live longer and live happier. What would they be? Well, years ago, I knew about parasites. So I used to do a colonic every month and I would still maintain that. I do colonic irrigations every single month and keeping the intestines free flowing so that you're not backed up, I think was a very important aspect of my own longevity. And I, I actually have a colon hydrotherapy machine in my home. So I do it once a week now. 
Colon hydrotherapy would be number one. Getting involved with the detox program would be number two. That's where the importance of the, of the charcoal comes into play. And number three, I would have supported my adrenals a little bit back then, much more so than I'm doing now. Mm. So it's all those things that I think are very important, but it's that detox element. It's the constant being positive. And I always would read very inspirational biographies. And I still do that even today. I find that it's important to feed your soul and feed your mind as well as it is to feed your body. Amen to that, Anne Louise. Yeah. So you said to pay attention to the parasites. You talked about colonics. You talked about detoxification and activated charcoal. And then you talked about and feeding your mind and, and really just making sure that it's it's all encompassing and you're taking care of like every aspect of your health, like the mind, body, and the soul, right? So like what's next for you? You've written 36 books. You've been in the business now for 40 years. You you said you're you're 72 years old. Like, like what's next? Is there another book coming? Are you still doing biz? Are you still teaching, another- teaching, teaching? I'm gonna I'm gonna start a teaching program, but I'm doing a little rest and relaxation because this took three years to write. So mm. it's time to relax and re- rejuvenate just a little bit. So I'm taking a little bit of a sabbatical and then I'm gonna do a teaching program so that I can disseminate the information I learned from my teacher. Awesome. Well, Anne Louise, this has been awesome and this has been a pleasure. And I will make sure to put the link to your book and the links to connect with you on your social media channels and your website in the show notes so that people can connect with you. And I think at the end of the day, like there was a lot that was said here. Maybe some of it's information you've known, maybe it's information that you haven't known, maybe it's something you agree with or disagree with. But like like I say with a lot of these conversations, if you can just take like one thing somebody says on these these shows. And apply it to your life. You win. You've gained a lot. It's a win. It's a win-win. Yeah. And just knowing that like, okay, some things might work for you. Some things might not work for you. And that's okay. Like just because somebody says you have to do something, you should do something. doesn't mean you should just do everything that anybody says. Right. But I think if you could just take a nugget or two from these conversations and just try it in your life and see where things that out, I think you will be pretty surprised and you'll be happy with with what you did. So Anne Louise, thank you once again. And for those listening, what I'd like you to do is to take a screenshot with a takeaway, tag Anne Louise, tag myself. Maybe it was something she said about her, her story. Maybe it was something that she said about longevity, immunity, nutrition, whatever it was, tag her, tag myself, because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. We'll see you next time.